Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us. We do pray, come, O come, Emmanuel. We pray that you might come and make yourself known to us again. We pray, come, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be together in this place. We pray now, Lord, for those who are in need around us. We pray for those who... Uh, who are lacking tonight. We pray for the children who are in foster care, who need a place to be. And we pray for those children who, while school is out in our community, may not have enough to eat. We pray for them all, for children scattered around the world who are in harm's way, the innocent suffering at the hands of others who have done things that they have no control over. We pray now, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight from your word, and may we understand what it is that you have to say to us from the book of Lamentations. We pray that you would bless our people at this time of the year as we consider and think about Christmas, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you now for this sweet time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, uh, Lori, can we... It seems like it's all back here. There's nothing up here. Okay, thank you. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. Merry Christmas. And if you, if I believe they're outlined somewhere around. If you'll find your place there, Lamentations chapter... Th there. There we go. Lamentations chapter 3. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'll talk real quiet while we're trying to get this down a little bit. Some of you have not been with us. We're make, making our way through the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah, the holy man, these are, these are the Lamentations of Jeremiah, the prophet of God. So what do you do when you have times of suffering? You can complain about it, or you can practice what Jeremiah teaches us in a time of desperate affliction and destruction and loss and suffering. You can practice holy lament. That's what I'm seeking to talk to our church about during these days. So we read tonight, Lamentations chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 19, but our focus will be verse number 24. We'll spend our time there tonight. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And here's our focus. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of Your Word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight we look at, uh, I'm going to use a word that we're not all as familiar with. We're, tonight we see that in holy lament, uh, there come these experiences of what is called a holy soliloquy. A holy soliloquy. Soliloquy is simply speaking your thoughts out loud to yourself. Soliloquy. 
when we actually speak our thoughts out loud to ourselves, we also speak them out loud in the presence of God. So we have here a holy soliloquy. So I want to read uh, Lamentations 3.24 to you three ways, with three emphasis in, uh, in the way I read it. So you can follow it along. It's a simple verse, but it's quite powerful. Here is his soliloquy. By the way, in your Bible, it's in quotations. You know, all, everything matters in your Bible. All the markings, all the readings, all the grammar. A quote says my soul. But let me read it to you three ways. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. That's number one. Number two, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. Third way, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. The fourth way, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. Did you hear the differences? Three phrases divided by two commas. So tonight we look at a holy soliloquy. This is how we sometimes get to um, an understanding of our suffering. We speak it out loud to ourselves. We not only speak to ourselves, as we've been learning, that's a spiritual thing to do. All of us in this room need to have times where we speak to ourselves. David teaches us that. We learn it here from Jeremiah. There are other examples in the Word of God. Sometimes we need to have a good talk with ourselves. That's a spiritual practice. But sometimes we need to practice holy soliloquy. And I know people around Dixon County don't use the word soliloquy much, but that's all right. You can learn a new word tonight. The Lord is my portion. That's a spiritual confession of restful hope. That's number one. The Lord is my portion. Tonight, this is all we're going to focus on. Because when you're in the midst of your affliction and your suffering, you finally, when you've processed it and you're processing it in a holy lament, you finally will say, the Lord is my portion. You will have a spiritual confession of restful hope. Says my soul. Secondly, there'll be a spiritual confirmation of restful hope. Says my soul. And then you will say, finally, you'll, you'll express spiritual confidence of restful hope. Therefore, I will hope in Him. See, the outline is very simple, but it's very powerful. The Lord is my portion is a confession of restful hope. Why do I say that to you? Well, if, we re if you've re read it carefully, you saw earlier... Surely my soul remembers, verse 20. What does it remember? My affliction, my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. See, a lot of people tell you, don't think about your troubles. But the spiritual man or woman learns to think about their troubles. 
Because everything that comes into your life, God allows or sends. The deepest pain you may be experiencing. Surely my soul remembers. Notice my soul, verse 20. And is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. This is that great contradiction we talked about before. When God's people suffer greatly, they hope greatly. When God's people suffer greatly, they hope greatly. Only those who are born again and know the Lord Jesus Christ hope in their sorrows. The world is filled with hopelessness because the world is filled with people who do not know God. So our focal truth tonight is this. The Lord is my portion. Jesus Christ is the believer's portion and restful hope. We are in a far better place than even our dear brother Jeremiah, this holy man of God. He saw what was to come. He understood the sorrows as uh, Brother Levi read to us from Isaiah. The Lord Jesus, a man of sorrows acquainted with much grief. If we're followers of Jesus, we will experience in our own life sorrows and we will be acquainted with grief. But yet, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. Well, let's start first of all with this confession. The Lord is my portion. The reason why I call this restful hope, you'll see in just a moment. Because tied to the word portion... And hope is rest. That's what we want in our sorrows. That's what we want we, when we seem, uh, what is it? Sometimes people will say, well, so-and-so was in such sadness, they were inconsolable. But you see, for the believer in Jesus Christ, no matter what you face, it may not be today. What I'm talking about to you today may not happen if Jesus tarries for many years, you may have some deep great grief and pain and affliction you cannot imagine today. That's why the Lord doesn't show us all of that at one time. But you will be able to say, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and if the Lord Jesus is your portion, you will have the ability to confess the Lord, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, is my portion. The Lord, Yahweh. Here is the word, 24. I, I remind you of this every time we study together. Lord with all uppercase letters is the word Yahweh. Jehovah is sometimes the old way it was translated in some, uh, some of the Bibles. The Yahweh. Yahweh is the, is the name of God who keeps covenant, who keeps His promises. The man, the, Yahweh, who made the promises to Abraham and to David. And now finally has made the great promise to us of the covenant of grace, the agreement of grace that we now have in Jesus Christ, sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. It took the death of Christ to enact the promises and the covenant of grace. The Lord, Yahweh, is my portion. If you'll notice also in this, you have three personal pronouns in each section. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. I'm illustrating how you must take God's Word and turn it, phrase by phrase, 
Think about it and meditate on it. This is, uh, this is hard for American Christians. We rush through it. Oh, Pastor Mike, you're going to spend the whole night on verse 24? Yes, probably I need to spend the next month on it. But we wouldn't want to do that. That would be a very terrible thing. It'd be hard for us to stay in one place. We have to move on, don't we? But tonight, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. It's holy soliloquy. It's beautiful. This is the conclusion of the remembering of his sorrow. This is the conclusion, verse 20, my soul, notice there, my soul. My soul says here, but my soul remembers in verse 20 and is bowed down. My soul recalls in verse 21, but I have hope. There is here a process of what happens inside of you when you learn how to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and in your mind when you're having trouble. This is why, as your pastor, I'm spending time on this. I spend most of my time, I meet with people who are rejoicing about good things in their life, but most of the time it's about, Pastor Mike, I'm troubled. Yes, you are. So am I. So am I. So will we always be. In this world, you will have trouble, our Lord said. So how do you live with it? You learn from men like Jeremiah. You learn how to wholly lament and then express a conclusion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. Well, believers confess the Lord Jesus as their portion. Now, uh, if you, you'll have to follow me on the outline. I can't have you turn to all of these passages. I'm trying to enlarge upon these words for you. So the Lord, Yahweh, is my portion. The word portion, the Hebrew word portion is simply the word for uh, inheritance, possession, or share is the real, the commonest, the plainest version is share. So some of you are going to be looking, you men are going to be looking for your wives to give you a big portion of whatever your favorite food is at Christmas time. A big portion, not a little portion, a big one. You'll have to get a bigger set of britches and bigger belts. A big portion. Big portions of food. Portions. But it actually is better connected to land. Because as the children of Israel came, they received the promise of God in Cana, and they, gave, they were allotted their portions of land. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. This is a spiritual confession of restful hope. So let's use the idea of inheritance. You know, my share. When the children of Israel received their share, it was handed down generation after generation, whichever of the tribes you pick. Now, obviously, the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, did not receive a portion of land. They belonged to the Lord, and the Lord was their portion. Praise the Lord. As Jeremiah, by the way, who was from the tribe of Levi, as the rabbis tell us, the Lord is my portion. And how about us who are followers of Jesus? The Lord is my portion. But let's think about the use of land. I've given you five ways to consider the Lord is my portion. He, and, and I am 
uh, submitting to you, the only way that this makes sense to us is for us to declare and confess our faith in Jesus Christ. Who is your, who is your portion? The Lord Jesus Christ is your portion. The Lord Jesus Christ is your portion. He is my inheritance. What are we told? We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Just follow along these verses that I've given you here. I want you to think about tonight your, your inheritance. I want you to consider your heavenly inheritance tonight. Not your earthly inheritance. Not what you're hoping and waiting on. For, you know, if just mom and dad and all these kin folks will die, you'll get it. Well, then you'll die and somebody else will get it. No, there's a heavenly inheritance before us all. Talking with one of our dear people today on the phone who's just been struggling with a lot of things. And this person was saying to me, oh, just thinking about heaven. Heaven becomes more precious. Yes, it should be to the young and the old alike. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's about heaven. It's about running to heaven. It's about focusing upon our heavenly inheritance. If you're children, Romans 8, 17, you're heirs. If you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. And Paul elaborates, not only an inheritor, an heir of God, God's given you an inheritance, but you're a fellow heir with Christ. Imagine that. <clears throat> As an adopted son, child of God, daughter of God, you share the glorious inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.11, we have obtained an inheritance. This is for you who are saved tonight. And those of you who are listening to us tonight, may the Lord bless you. If you're not here with us, we, we miss you but we're glad you're joining us. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Colossians 1.12 We give thanks to the Father. We give thanks to the Heavenly Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The great place of glorious eternal life, the eternal day, where we share the joys of eternal life and endless delight and the pleasures of knowing God. What could ever, what could ever match that here on this earth? 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. You've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm speaking to believers here. You've been born again through the to a living hope through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, and it is reserved for you in heaven. How did the Lord say it? When He was praying for us who are believers in Christ, I didn't add it to your notes, but I think about it every time I think about this glorious thing of the Lord... Uh, being our portion and we are inheritors of, Christ, of all that the Lord has and all the Lord Jesus has. What He prayed in His great high priestly prayer, John 17, 24, Father, I desire. Here was the desire of the Lord Jesus for all of us. Now He's praying this for you if you're a believer. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may so that so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world 
my dear friends, it's really hard to stop the busyness of life and think about these great truths. This is how you help yourself in your sorrow. This is how you help yourself in your afflictions. And some of your afflictions, like mine, may never go away, this side of heaven. So what do you do? Well, our friends say, just cope with it. Just deal with it. But you see, hope says, the Lord is my portion. He is my security. If you have land, why, you have an inheritance. I'm not talking about if you have something you and the bank own. Well, I should say the bank owns and lets you live in it. If you own your land, you have an inheritance for your children and grandchildren. What a joyful, wonderful thing. And having that land, that portion, there's security in it. It is your refuge. It is your hiding place. What did the Lord say? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my shepherd. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. He goes on, John 10, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. No one snatches them out of my hand. Security. Eternal security. Because we belong to Jesus. We are His and He is ours. And because of that, the Lord is my portion. He is my inheritance. He is my security. He is my place of rest. We find this, the, the, the children of Israel finally finished their wanderings and they were given their allotment, their portion, so they could rest. Whether it was the hill country or the valleys, wherever they found their place in the land of Canaan, it became their place of rest. But what better could we hear from our Lord Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. The Lord is my portion. The Lord Jesus is my portion. He is my inheritance. The Lord Jesus is my portion. He is my security. In this life, as I prepare for heaven to be with Him forever, the Lord is my portion. He is my place of rest. The Lord is my portion. He is my protection. Because Israel had their own land allotted to them, they, could, they had a place to protect themselves from their enemies. The Lord Jesus says, John 6, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. This is the will of Him who sent me that all that He has given to me, I will lose nothing but raise it up in the last day. We, now, we are now protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is my portion, my inheritance, my security, my place of rest, my protection. But what about refreshment? When the hard times come, it's such a sweet passage when the Lord Jesus was there in the garden praying that intensive prayer, that very intense prayer in deep suffering, if it is possible. This is what the Lord Jesus prayed. Are you listening? If it is possible for this cup to be passed from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And as he agonized, we read of the angels coming to minister to him. 
And now the Lord, what does He do for us? He refreshes us. He refreshes us. When you don't think you can do it anymore, this is what we were talking about last week, you keep going, you endure. The Lord's loving kindnesses never cease, they never fail, they're new every morning. In the midst of your sufferings, the love of God is still there. In the midst of your affliction, the compassion of God is still there through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's fresh every day, as long as there is a day. The Lord Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I know some in our church who are very, very, they are, they are exhausted and in need of spiritual refreshment. Are you tonight in need of spiritual refreshment? Have you had a long day, a long year, a long month? Well, He is our refreshment. He is our refreshment. I've been in the Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord. That's it. Delight yourself in the Lord. So we have a spiritual confession of restful hope. The Lord is my portion. This becomes our confession. Whatever your, your physical condition. This is what we say when we're filled with the Spirit and we suffer while being filled with the Spirit. Secondly, a spiritual confirmation of restful hope. Now, I want you to stay with me. I'm talking about things that seem a little strange, but they're not. I'm talking to you about the fact that not only, not only does your soul, remember we've talked about your soul is made up your, of your mind, your will, your emotions, and your passions, your desires. So when we read about the soul, we remember these very important elements that make up the soul. Your soul has feelings. Your soul has thoughts. Listen now. Your soul speaks. Says my soul. Now I'm going to pause and ask you tonight. <clears throat> whatever you're going through, looking around here, I know most of you pretty well. What's your soul saying tonight? What's your soul saying tonight? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. This is the confirmation of restful hope. My soul says, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. You see, the holy lament of suffering expresses to God and expresses to itself. You see, the soul speaks to itself. This is the way God made us. The soul speaks to itself. The soul has conflict with itself. This becomes a very important matter for us to understand. It's why people find themselves in deep depression and discouragement because their soul is in conflict with itself. So as Jeremiah laments, he is working through his soul's conflict with itself. This is extremely important. 
When you talk with your friends who are in suffering, they are learning or they're dealing with soul conflict. And it causes all kinds of emotions. It causes all kinds of thinking. And lo and behold, it causes the soul to say things. And I ask you again, because it's true for every person in this room, what's your soul saying tonight? What says your soul in your current condition tonight? Well, let's look at this. Lamentations 3.17. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. That's a real condition. Oh, now, someone would rush to you and say, a well-meaning Christian friend who does not understand this would say, now, now, don't talk like that. That's being demeaning of God. Is it? Is it? No. It's stating the reality of where you are in your suffering. My soul has been rejected from peace. My soul has no peace. And my soul has no happiness. We, we read on. I've given it to you. Verse 20. My soul remembers. My soul remembers. I should have read verse 18. So I say, quotations, so I say, my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. This is where we find ourselves sometimes in conditions. One of our people recently received a bad medical report, a life issue report. What will they do? How will they respond? How will they live? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. What will their soul say? My strength has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. I've lost my hope. And then in verse 20, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Wait a minute. I have lost all my hope from the Lord. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. You see, this is the conflict within the soul. So I want to give you here some um, words and I want you to give some consideration to this for a moment. I'm, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to go home and think about your life, you see. You must pause to reflect on the condition of your soul. This is why we get dry. This is why we don't have any passion for God. This is why we have no desire for the things of God. We don't want to pray. We don't want to read our Bible. We don't even care about fellowship with God's people. We dry up. Why do we dry up? We dry up because we have conflict in our soul and we've not <clears throat> dealt with it by allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work. The saved soul speaks to itself in encouraging faith. It's here on your outline. The saved soul speaks to itself while suffering. I didn't say after you suffer. Oh, when I finish suffering, then I'll speak to myself and have hope. No, you, hope comes in your suffering, not after it. 
not before it, in it. The saved soul speaks to itself while suffering. Jesus Christ is my portion. The saved soul declares to itself in faith while suffering, Jesus Christ is my portion. The saved soul assures itself while suffering, Jesus Christ is my portion. The saved soul repeats to itself while suffering, Jesus is my portion. The saved soul encourages itself while suffering, Jesus Christ is my portion. If you see what's happening, oh, I rem remember my affliction, my wandering, verse 19, wormwood bitterness, my soul remembers and is bowed down. But then remembering that, what else comes to mind? He starts remembering 22, the Lord's loving kindnesses don't cease. The Lord's compassions, plural, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. All of this is, all this is rising because there is faith in God, which leads to hope. So I consider, I want you to consider this tonight. I ask you three questions here. What are your emotions saying about your suffering tonight? That's right, your emotions. A lot of men in this room, so you have emotions too. What is it, what's the condition of your emotions? You see, your emotions are speaking. Your soul is speaking through your emotions. What you're feeling. What are your desires saying? Your soul is speaking through your desires. Oh, I can't take it anymore. I wish that, and you can fill in the blank. That's a statement of desire. I would wish that, I would hope that, I would, however it's phrased. You see, our desires and our emotions are speaking. They are, it's our soul speaking. And what are your thoughts? That's the easiest one. What are you thinking about tonight? You see, the spiritually minded person is able to say, the Lord, in, nothing has changed in this desperate condition for Jerusalem, for the destruction of the temple, and all of the horrible suffering that surrounds Jeremiah. He is in the middle of it all, and yet here he, here he is, right in the center of the book of Lamentations. Right in the center, there is this section on restful hope, which comes from the soul with the believer working through the conflicts in their own soul. First, you have to admit that you have conflicts in your soul. I don't know why it is that believers struggle with this to admit that they have conflicts in their soul. But the sooner you get there, the sooner you'll be free. We all do. And so did Jeremiah, the man of God. I would mention to you that the Lord Jesus Christ had conflicts in his soul. I would wish that you would let this cup pass, but not my will. So we see tonight, first, the Lord is my portion. I say to you all tonight, I testify to my, for myself, the Lord Jesus Christ is my portion. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I say it in my soul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That is my confession. 
It is my soul's confirmation. And then finally, my confidence. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, conclusion. If the Lord is my portion, says my soul, I'm confirming it. This is my soul. Therefore, I have hope from Him. Is that what it says? No. I have hope in Him. Now we come to these wonderful words. The hopeful soul expresses confidence in the Lord to itself. The psalmist, David. We've quoted him many times. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Hope in God. Hope in God. Pastor Mike, it's almost unbearable what I'm going through. Hope in God. Hope in His loving kindnesses that never cease. Hope. You know what I mean by hope now. Expectation. Great is your faithfulness. Expectant hope. Confident assurance is what we talk about as Christians. Our hope is confident assurance in God. The Lord's love will come through. I will experience the love of God in my deepest sufferings. As I mentioned to you last week, the dear lady who said, where was God when I was raped? I don't know, dear lady, how to answer yet. But I know this. The loving kindnesses of the Lord never cease. And the compassions of the Lord never fail. He is greatly faithful. And the Lord can be your portion. And your soul can confirm it. And you can have hope again. This is how we talk to ourselves. And this is how we encourage. You don't have to answer the mystery that you cannot answer about why they've suffered what they've suffered. That is not our place to answer that. Though over and over we try to do that. That's not our task. Our task is to lead them to the Lord Jesus, our high priest, and say, go to the throne of grace and really ask for help in your time of need. Notice this here with me. My soul remembers, verse 20, my soul recalls, and now my soul says. This is the work of a holy soul when the soul is right with God, when there is the work of the Holy Spirit working with our soul, within us, pouring out the love of God in us. This is the work, this is that great mystery of how the Holy Spirit comes to us and meets us and confirms in our spirit we're children of God and begins to work in our soul to change our emotions, to change our desires, to transform us as new creatures in Christ. So there is hopefulness, restful hopefulness of the holy soul in Jesus Christ. I just gave you a string of verses and I mainly gave you these from Romans. Just look at this, look at this string of pearls if you want to call it. Look at this string of pearls. 
we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Romans 8, 24. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he has already seen? Who, who, who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with endurance or perseverance, we wait for it eagerly. Rejoicing in hope. Through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And then His great prayer, and it's my prayer for all of you tonight, those of you listening to us and listening to my voice, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we were doing work on Romans 15, 13, look at how hope is used twice in the verse. The God of hope fills you with joy and peace in faith, in believing God, in trusting God, that you may abound in hope. And then Colossians 1, 27. It is our famous verse. We teach it to our children. We all memorized it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I come now as we finish to remind you of this great passage in Hebrews 6, and I've printed it here for you. Hebrews 6, 17 to 20. In the same way, God desiring even more to show the heirs, the inheritors of the promise, the unchangeableness of His purpose interposed with an oath by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Now listen to the last phrase. Read it carefully. We who have taken refuge. That's it. The Lord is my portion. The Lord Jesus is my refuge. He's my hiding place. He's my shelter. All those great words of David in the Psalms. They have a name, the Lord Jesus Christ. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement. That's what you need in your troubles and suffering. To take hold of the hope that is before us. There's hope coming. There's hope coming. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. That's why I'm talking to you tonight about this holy soliloquy. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. And what does Paul say to us here in Hebrews? Our hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor for our soul. What is it I need when I have conflict in my soul and I'm tossed back and forth? One moment I can believe, one moment I cannot, one moment I can have hope, one moment I cannot. Ah, it's the anchor of our hope placed in Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, ascended, seated gloriously as high priest, coming again. A hope both sure and steadfast. And the one which enters within the veil. Your hope is inside the veil, in heaven. Hope is set in heaven, not of heaven, but of the one who is in heaven for us. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner, did you see it there? Having become a high priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek, according to the order of king priest. 
So what do we consider from that? I give you four things. Believers have taken refuge by faith in Jesus Christ who is their portion. That, that's the way we live. I walk by faith. I walk by faith in a dark world. I walk by faith when I'm in danger. I walk by faith when I get terrible news. I walk by faith when I'm an innocent in something that happens, but I suffer even as an innocent. I didn't even do it. We walk by faith. We take refuge by faith in Jesus Christ. He, when you read David saying, the Lord is my rock and my refuge, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your refuge. He's your place of security. Believers have taken refuge in Jesus Christ and have strong encouragement to remain heavenly hopeful. That's what it is. I'm not living in earthly hopefulness. It never pans out, my brothers and sisters. Well, I'm hoping it'll be better tomorrow. Well, I hope so. If we're going to use the word that way. Good luck with that. But when we have heavenly hope, when heavenly hopefulness is ours, it helps the soul. It settles the soul. I'm just, I love you all, but we earthbound believers don't think about heaven enough. Think about the place where there is no turmoil. Think about the place of perfect peace. Think about the endless joys of delight in God. Pleasures forever. Think of the place where you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus in the glorious place. Mount Zion, as Hebrews calls it, with all the righteous spirits of the just, the myriads of angels, the Lord Jesus, the glory of God. You see, heavenly hopefulness helps my conflicted soul. Believers who have taken refuge in Jesus Christ have hope to anchor their soul in the trials of this life. You need an anchor. You need an anchor. And believers who have taken refuge have their hope in the living Lord. So what do we remember? When you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can rest in your trials. Restful hope rises from faith in Jesus, and all you need for life is Christ. A restful soul speaks encouragement to the soul. And in Jesus Christ is confident, restful peace in the soul. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him to the praise of the glory of His grace. One of these days, the Lord's going to interrupt things on this earth. The Lord is near the door. One of these days, the Lord's going to stop all of these charades. One of these days, the Lord's going to say, Enough. Time's up. Grace is ended. Judgment has now come. The Lord is at the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we say to you tonight, in the conflicts of our soul, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him, Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God, eternal word, glorious wisdom of God. 
and our Savior and our Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Merry Christmas. Hope to see you Christmas Eve right here, 5 o'clock, and then also Christmas Day, regular hours, 9 and 10.30. Say hello to somebody on your way out. God bless you. Have a great evening. Be careful tonight and in the days ahead in the weather.